Bloody Elbow presents the Show Money Podcast, the podcast covering the business side of combat sports in depth and provides continuous reporting on the antitrust suits the UFC is battling. The crew features Paul Gift, the economist, Jason Cruz, the lawyer, and John S. Nash, Bloody Elbow's chief financial columnist. Pay Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your experts. Bloody Elbow Podcasts are proud to be sponsored by RevGear. They've been a pioneer in the industry and have grown into a formidable brand and true leader in the MMA gear market. Bloody Elbow listeners get 20% off. Go to RevGear.com slash Bloody Elbow email sign up. Welcome to Show Money, the only show exclusively dedicated to the business of mixed martial arts. I'm Paul Gift, The Economist. With me, as always, we have Jason Cruz, our lawyer, and John Nash, the man who knows everyone and everything in MMA. We are recording on Sunday, November 5th, and we have two general topics today that we're going to be talking about. The big news of the week, it was it was uh, this past Wednesday that in a uh, very sort of benign one-page letter uploaded to the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, they denied the UFC's petition to appeal. They asked to appeal. The Ninth Circuit denied it. That means the UFC is likely going to trial. It's not 100% yet, but they're likely going to trial unless they were to win on summary judgment. So we'll talk a little bit about that and all that that means and then get into the basically kind of Ngannou Fury aftermath, Ngannou Fury PFL, um, that, that sort of topic. But we're going to start with the um, uh, UFC had their petition to appeal denied. I thought it was going to be accepted. I think, Jason, you thought it was going to be accepted. John <laughs> needs to get some credit here because he was the only one of us who thought that it was not going to be accepted. He had being right. But you're our lawyer, Jason, so we're going to start with you to tell everyone what that is all about and what it might mean. Yeah, so I, I actually, uh, uh, I didn't realize this as much as uh, most of the other attorneys should have, because this was not argued, argued uh, and someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but basically the Ninth Circuit denied it as a matter of procedure in that they do not take interlocutory appeals. I think we talked about this a little bit. Interlocutory appeals are appeals that occur prior to the final judgment of a case. So the policy of the appellate courts is that they do not intervene in those types of situations. They, they wait until the finality of the case, and then they will, uh, they will take upon the appeal. Now, for Zuka's part, they probably argued the, that it was important that it be heard prior to uh, the case going forward because, of course, they had a class action certification. If the appeal were to go forward, there would be, uh, there would be the possibility that no class action certification occurs. I don't recall the plaintiffs arguing, listen, this is an interlocutory appeal. They got to wait 
until uh, until the final uh, final entry of judgment. Uh, I don't recall that, but um, Ninth Circuit kind of matter of factly, um, if you look at the the uh, the the order, the petition for permission to appeal is denied, and essentially just cite the case saying that like, listen, we don't do that shit. Sorry, uh, we don't do that. Um, I'm sure they were cursing their judges. Uh, anyway, that's what that's where we're at. Uh, the UFC still has other um, other avenues to uh, to take, namely the motion for summary judgment, which uh, will be a big one because if they if Judge Bulware sides with the UFC, then the case is dismissed. There's no case. Uh, so that's the big thing. Obviously, they want to, uh, they don't, are trying to avoid going to trial, but April 8th looks like the date that uh, the judge will uh, have the parties getting ready for any, regardless of whether or not that happens. Uh, I would, I would think that the further this goes along, the, the greater opportunity of a settlement could happen, but uh, that on a, none of that would hap will happen until uh, Judge Bulwer decides on the motion for summary judgment. Which will be briefed uh, fully in December, and I'd assume a hearing in January would be my guess, something like mm, that? I don't know. I didn't look at their schedule, but usually it's 30 minutes, 30, at least 30 days before the trial date, but I don't know. The, the schedule could be sooner, so there you go. I see. All right. And John, so how huge do you think? I mean, it was pretty monumental, I think, but how huge do you think it was? I mean, it is. It's big because if you look at most antitrust cases, class action, when you get past class certification, um, remember there was a stat on class actions and as well as class action antitrust cases uh, that uh, the settle, the, the, first of all, appeal is 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 a, only a small number of cases the appeals taken up for the ninth circuit but when you get it's all i can't remember what it is but it's like 90 some percent of cases get uh settled because at that point the the risk is just so great that people i mean that's why you're given an automatic appeal uh when class is certified because the the risk of damages and stuff is so great they give you a chance to uh, appeal the class certification because that's considered almost a, a case done now What's interesting is, you know, I talked to some people that do antitrust and stuff that do class actions, and they are they were surprised that the UFC hasn't reached out, or at least not that we know of, has reached out and tried to settle after it was even hinted that the judge was going to grant it. That so we get this far along, and I I still detect they're, the way they talk. It I get no detect get no sense that they plan on settling. I mean, maybe that's wrong, but. You just get the sense they're not, which is just really bizarre in my book. But uh, who knows? They might be waiting for motion of summary, just trying to kick it. You know, maybe they're going to see if they can get the uh, reopen discovery and kick it down even further. I mean, that seems to be part of their strategy, delay, delay, delay as long as possible. But, I mean, I don't think if you're if you're a listener, if you're a watcher, viewer, or whatever, I don't, I don't think fans realize how big this potentially is i'm not going to say it's going to be big because there's many even many scenarios where the ufc pays out tons of damages that it ends up not being that big of impact on the sport but this is one of the few things where if it goes wrong for the ufc it could have dramatic impact on the sport and i don't think people are aware. i mean just take one example we're gonna talk about france and Ghana later francis only got out of his contract because they introduced something because of this lawsuit right so 
we had a major impact and that's just one small thing that happened so the the potential repercussions of a ma of, of a large settlement of a of, of a future you know injunctive relief way down the line all those could potentially be huge in the sport i don't think people i just think that's the number one thing people should pay attention to is i'm not saying it's going to have a huge impact but the possibilities are not are pretty it's i'm not gonna say even it's 50 50 but there's a good there's a there's a much higher than zero percent chance that this will have a massive impact on the sport let's put it that way well and, and beyond that uh just before you even get to possible impact the fact that there could be five weeks of of ufc executives other promotional executives fighters all these people under oath testifying and every day there will be news about what they said, what the exhibits were. Now we've and we have seen a lot of those already, but I don't think a lot of the public well, even, necessarily. Even then, calls some of them's getting resubmitted and unsealed. I mean, just recently right. we got every fighter purse from 2011 to 16. Now this would have been really cool if we would have got this years ago, but we just got <laughs> this now. Every every purse that they total payments from 2011, every fighter's payment from 2011 to 2016, we have data now, which is just kind of you know shocking to tell you the truth that we have that something like that for just th that period and, and you know going forward especially if they try to reopen if they you know if they eventually down the line on johnson we might get more material but if they go into trial yeah it's uh i mean jace you're the lawyer here speak up tell what what can we expect in a trial what kind of fireworks could we be getting Wait, 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 really quick. I just have to give John credit before he answered Jason. That was pretty badass what John put out there. If you haven't seen it at Bloody Elbow, uh, uh, John and Anton, go check it out about the fighter payments. Sorry, go ahead, Jason. <laughs> oh, I don't, I have no idea what to expect. I, I've been wrong throughout most of this thing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, a lot of this stuff will <laughs> hash out through the uh, pretrial pre-trial discovery and the motions and limiting who is going to be excluded who won't be excluded things of that nature uh and then we'll see about who will be testifying that's it seems like it's all we, we shouldn't be talking about any of that right now because we don't even know if that's going to happen but the threat of that obviously is more so now than before the zufa brought the brought the uh uh, appeal to the Ninth Circuit. So <clears throat> definitely uh, Zufa has to be a little concerned with how the case is currently going right now. And um, probably a settlement is not out of the question um, at some point, not, not not right now, but at some point uh, it's, it's, it's in the, uh, it's, it, it's in the barrel, but um, obviously they, they are, there's still more avenues, mainly the motion for summary judgment that's going to happen sometime soon. Yeah, and we should mention that, just so everybody knows, um, class certification was about, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, Jason, but basically about whether there were some common issues that predominated over individual issues, especially with respect to damages to fighters. Uh, and whether the work that the plaintiffs expert witnesses did was capable of of sort of proving out those issues. What we're moving into now, now that we've got past class certification, everything becomes more merits based. Everything becomes more 
about the actual merits of this case. When it's summary judgment, it, it's it's a very strict standard. But basically, what the judge is going to be looking at is one way of saying it is: is there no genuine issue of material fact that the jury needs to decide? So I can decide this case myself as a matter of law. But the way I prefer to think about it is. If I look at the evidence in the light most favorable to the plaintiffs, would no reasonable juror ever side with them? If the judge believes that, the case is over. If the judge doesn't believe that, we go to trial. And so it seems to me, when I read his class certification opinion, it, it now, I, believe me, I'm the one who's telling you that a lot of how singers work, the plaintiff's key expert witness is not fundamentally sound. And that's going to be an issue. But when we look at the judge's um, class certification order, these are the things he says. Dr. Singer's weighting of fighters, which the court finds credible. The court finds that plaintiff's expert, Dr. Singer, has presented a sound and reliable model. To the extent the court has had to weigh the competing expert opinions of the parties, the court finds the evidence strongly and clearly weighs in favor of plaintiff's expert opinion. So he was saying that with the um, uh, the standards of class certification, but man, that sounds like the UFC is, is, is has an uphill battle here with with Judge Bulware and and summary judgment. That's what it sounds like to me. So uh, that that's what I wanted everyone to know that the standards are changing, but I think the, the judge still kind kind of is like. I don't know how this guy is going to find that no reasonable juror would side with the plaintiff. So it seems like we're going to trial. Um, kind of. Uh, so I think that, you know, we're moving into the phase where it is based on su substantive issues of law and uh, you hit all the, all the, all the key, the key factors there. Um, what will be considered and what will not be considered uh, is is will may will differ from what what Judge Bulware had considered at the class action stage. Now, um, reading rereading the Zupas motion for summary judgment is 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 uh, persuasive. Uh, how persuasive will will see? Obviously, I'm always persuaded when I read briefs, but when we hear the oppositions from plaintiffs. We'll get a little get get a better sense of what to do, what what uh, where where they're going at. But like you said, um, the opinion from Judge Bulware seems like he is definitely uh, in uh, finds uh, Hal Singer credible. So uh, to say that they'll exclude him or his testimony at time of trial would be hard to fathom. It would be hard to fathom. You okay there, John? Oh yeah, I'm fine. I just think, uh, I mean, I think he's tipped his tipped his hand on the summary judge, which just seems that the the reading and also some of the hearing comments and stuff, like uh, the way he even said you can refile it, didn't sound like he was just like, hey, let's just go through the motions. Who knows? You know, like it wasn't very, didn't make it sound like he's very like he's like, hey, if you want to waste everybody's time, refile the you know, mo we'll let you file the motion for summary judgment. So. But who knows? They'll throw a curve. It'll be like a big shocker. Wow, this is a twist. But I, I, I think it's. I'm pretty sure he'll clear the thing. That's um. We, I don't know if it's going to be on merit because you got to remember this is a jury trial for damage. The jury. The, this is a jury trial, and as someone said, do you want to be a defendant where your guys that made a lot of money 
rich execs because the regular people hate executives. That's why antitrust cases often go against companies because they're they're terrified of going against jurors because regular people freaking hate them. You know, they hate executives. So you're going to have a bunch of rich executives on one side and the other side, you're going to bring in guys like, you know, beat up broke fighters who, who made a very small fraction of the money. And as, as someone spelled out to me, he goes, one of the reasons he thinks this case kind of zipping along now and stuff is that it's it one, it's kind of, it's, it's in today's climate, it's a slam dunk. And two is just, you know, and that's why he's surprised. They won't be a, you know, a lot of people are surprised. There won't be a settlement because do you want to be an offendant in your suit, you know, pointing out how many millions you made. And then the other side of the stand is some fighter holding his eye into his socket and talking about how he got 10,000 that night. That's, and you have a bunch of regular Joes just who don't know anything about the sport. It's just not, I don't, I, I would be nervous about that. Yeah, no. And, and the interesting thing is, remember, I mean, it would have happened either way, but one of the reasons they wanted to, move the case back to Vegas is presumably because they wanted a Vegas jury instead of a uh, San Jose jury, right? Either way, you're still going to have to do it in front of a jury, but they did try it. They did move it back to Vegas and, and got that Vegas jury. <laughs> but yeah, you are going to have to argue those things. Uh, and then if you lose, you have to, then, then you're out of the regular people realm, but you've already lost. And so you've got to hope to get it reversed on appeal or something like that. Um, but one thing I will let people know is, when these things happen, it's not just like, here's our case, here's here's the UFC's case, here's the plaintiff's case, and now, did they break antitrust laws, yes or no? There's a set of questions that you have to go down, right? They kind of like lead the jury. Now, the judge jury helps frame those questions. What's that? They're jury instructions, and that's those, yeah. those are pretty much one of the most important things to do in that case, because that's the only thing that the jurors can take back and read. And those are the questions that, so that's what a lot of the, I mean, the, the attorneys fight over is like whether or not certain jury instructions will be uh, put in. They have special jury instructions that are drafted out, but mo mainly most of them are patterns. They're just like the same that you'll see in any book anywhere, uh, but they'll rephrase them and redo them. But yes, they, they, those jury instructions are very important because uh, you know, when they look back at the case, um, th that's those are the only things that they'll be looking at. I don't, I don't even know if they, I don't know if they'll allow uh, jurors to take notes or or whatnot. So is this? A, I, I assume this twelve person jury. I, I totally did not. I don't recall. I'd assume so. Uh, but but the point I was trying to make was that you know, even if you have. I'm just trying to get people to see the reality of it. Even if you have certain views about, you know, business practices and fighters, the questions are kind of like some of them are make or break questions. It's kind of like one might be, you know, did the UFC have legitimate business justifications for its contracts? If they didn't, then move on to these questions. If they did, the case might be over, right? And so if people just answer yes to that, then then the case could be done depending on how it's set up but so you're walked down those questions so even when you feel like the situation you know is a is is a um undesirable one from a perspective of i hate this company i've worked on Ticketmaster cases right uh, a lot of people hate them you still have to go down those questions and so just keep in mind that's the structure so while the, none of this is good for the ufc 
and it appears to be great for the fighter so far, there's, there's still a, a lot left. It looks like summary judgment isn't going to happen. <clears throat> but when you get to trial, it, uh, it'll depend on how Judge Bulware kind of sets up those questions. And Jason knows more about that. But yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I would say, you know, what's going back to a little bit about the, moving the, the case to Vegas. I mean, the, it, the UFC is big in that town in Vegas. And it seems like they would, it would, uh, getting the jurors will be another fight for, for both parties because obviously uh, one of the questions they will ask of the jurors that they will start to a panel is like, have you ever heard of the UFC? <laughs> have you ever been to a UFC event? You know, they are going to fight over the people that say, oh yeah, I, I know. Dana White seems like a cool dude, man. He does the fucking Fridays and da 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 da, da. Oh, I've been to a station's casino. I know the Fertitas. They're, they seem pretty cool guys, you know. So that's kind of what they want. And uh, they want a guy, they, I mean, and you, the plaintiffs can't kick everybody off the, off the uh, jury uh, that has heard of or knows of the UFC. So that in itself will be interesting to see once that when it comes to comes to pass, and so I I mean I it'll be interesting to see what kind of jury uh, what kind of uh, jurors they get because I'm not I don't I mean maybe you know Paul since you, you live in Vegas but like I don't being in being in Vegas it doesn't seem like it seems like everyone loves UFC. Yeah, I was actually just gonna say I can actually add a little bit to it. I don't I don't roll in you know the same circles that everyone from a the mix of a jury pool would would roll in but the fertitas are just the it, vegas i would describe it now after living here for two and a half years as kind of like a medium-sized small town it's like there are certain people that everyone knows uh either of or there's a lot of people who know i've, I've met a lot of people who know the fertitas but then there's diff uh, there's other people. There's like a Brady family that supplies everything for the hotel rooms. I think that uh, guy who was on the uh, 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 athletic commission, uh, Marnell, his his family is like big in this town. I can't remember what it is, like textiles or something. Um, but it's like it's weird. It's like a it's like a medium sized, very connected, like small town. Um, but with what you're saying about everybody knowing the UFC, that that I I don't. I don't know too much about, I don't talk to too many people about that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but when it came to something like Fertitas, I could see almost everybody at least knowing the name, but they might not have a, I don't think that disqualifies you from being on the jury, right? Yeah, what if you remember the culinary union, one of the biggest <laughs> yeah. unions in uh, Las Vegas? That would be, it would be yeah. that too. But, but the I other mean, thing too, is the, the, the Fertitas no longer own the UFC. So I wonder if how big of an impact their relationship the UFC is going to have on the case, because it's not like if you work at, a station casino you're like well god i don't want to screw my boss no they have no financial stake in the case anymore so there's no incentive either way you're not getting them and you're not you're not helping them by testifying the case unless there's some secret contract pretty have with endeavor that they have to cover the damages but i doubt that but you know i so i don't know they're invested the... in endeavor aren't they but i don't think anybody knows that <laughs> yeah well now they do way to leak it way to way to share that secret no i don't public knowledge now yeah yeah and by the way guys i'm pretty sure question number one on the jury questionnaire is going to be are you the just bleed guy <laughs> that's question number one yeah. if so get out Isn't that guy dead? if not you move along <laughs>
well, <laughs> one question I have, I wonder if it could possibly hold up a settlement is um, not the amount, but you listen to the fighters and uh, injunctive relief, some sort of change in contracts is super important. Now, this case, the, the trial itself is going to have nothing to do with that. But if the UFC is going to, you know, let's say settle with them. And when you settle, you kind of want to clear up the case, right? You want to like, okay, we don't want this coming back to haunt us. Let's let's end this now. They might also, you know, do something about parts of the Johnson case. How much is the, I wonder how much like the Fitches and the Kung Lees, when you listen to their interviews, how important that is to them to have some sort of change. How much does that can impact the settlement? Like if, you know, either the amount, there's got to be a ridiculously high amount. I shouldn't say ridiculously because they're already asking for a ton, but a really high amount to not worry about some sort of injunctive relief. Or they're going to say, if you're going to do this, we are only going to agree to the damages if you do something about your contracts. And that at that point, maybe there is no settlement because Endeavor, like, no, that's our, our business model has to survive. So it's like the movie act, a movie uh, version of a civil action where John Travolta is in there, and he says yeah. <laughs> they're about to, to settle, but then he wants them to pay for a fund for all the people who drank the bad water and things like that, and then like they walk out, no settlement. We're we're not gonna. So you have Kung Lee or John Fitch saying, "But we want the sunset clauses to be uh, to to no longer exist or something like that," and then they say, "Forget it. The settlement is all." <laughs> and then we go to trial. <laughs> yeah. Well, to I don't know about that, but I'm going to say that it needs to be a combination of both. But I think if one now, now I don't think if I think if we had the the plaintiff attorneys on here, they would obviously vehemently argue differently. <laughs> but I have seen some some lame settlements in, in my life. Um, and so my guess is when it came down to it, money would be a little bit more important because that's what the attorneys get a cut of. And then they would find a way to spend whatever contractual changes they get in the settlement. But I, I don't, I don't think they would do it for money and no changes or changes and no money. It would be a mixture of both, but I, I would sus strongly suspect they would lean more towards the money. And that's probably been the holdup so far right? that the UFC hasn't wanted to offer. And, and the more danger the UFC gets in of, uh, of that, you know, 800 million to 1.5 billion in damages possibly tripled, the more the chance of a settlement comes up. And the interesting thing was, remember how the UFC was like, that was a, uh, that was possibly one of the reasons that uh, class certification got denied. Right. Um, because once they denied it and said, go look at our reasoning in this case, I looked at that case and it was like, oh, if the situation is a death knell for either plaintiff or defendants, and that was what the UFC was trying to argue. The plaintiffs are going for so much damages. It was like five times their net income. So they're going to we're going to be forced to settle. Well, now we'll see. We'll see if that's true. I yeah, suspect I was, I was thinking about that earlier today. Settling. I was saying yeah. like, um, because there's people saying to all oh, the UFC is insured, which is seems absurd to me talking about like there's yeah. there's there's insurance that will cover like your litigation costs. There's insurance that will cause uh, malpractice or something by your executives that they even if you're if your executives can conduct themselves independently, that causes you to do like even, you know, violate the ship. I think that could be covered. But my understanding is it's basically unheard of to have antitrust insurance because it's a. It's a self-inflicted tort. You're breaking the law, technically, the way you conduct. And it's like, well, there's no insurance that would cover that. And the potential damages, too. Who's going to cover that? That, uh... But uh, I was saying that earlier today because I'm like, well, if these damages are so high, you'd think there'd be a settlement. You would think there'd be some sort of phone calls being exchanged right now. And uh, 
I again, I don't know. Maybe that may you know. I don't know what the plan is, but it doesn't doesn't seem up until now that UFC is maybe they're full full of it, just blowing smoke that they're not going to settle. They just it doesn't seem like they're planning on settling. So I I strongly suspect they have at least had talks, but I, I just need to remind people. I used to work on these cases and the plaintiff's case is not, even though this is likely going to trial, their case is not strong. So that's my, probably my number one reason why they haven't settled yet is because I'm sure they still believe in their position. Even if they were to lose at trial, uh, that they would have legitimate avenues for appeal. Like how singer's work is not good and their case is not strong. So don't, don't forget that. And, and or, so it's the counsel that they're getting from Bill Isaacson and others, but I'm sure, I'm sure they would settle this for, for the right number. Question is what that number is right at this moment. Right. But who knows? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to question the Hal Singer stuff because it's a, his old, their approach to what, why the UFC is a monopoly is uh but I will say it's uh I, I blame the FTC because it's, I agree with that paper that said the FTC dropped the ball in this case because uh, I think it's it's basically a guarantee the UFC's uh, abused their position as a monopoly, as a market power. Oh, letting the strike force merger go through. That's right. Every, everything along the lines. It's the every step is if you go. I mean, just if you look at basic, forget the goddamn Bork stuff that's been introduced the last thirty. The bullshit that we've been introduced that this doesn't even make sense. Just a made up version of antitrust. But the idea that yes, they they positioned themselves to have market power over the 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 sport. It's uh it's a slam dunk. Oh. But I wouldn't I don't believe in the I I don't think that I would just, you know, I would point to old boxing. There's there's so many uh if you there's like 40 boxing hearings that basically spell this out. John, John, John is John is dragging ass a little bit today, guys, but he's waking up for a rant. I can feel it. No, no, there's no rant. I just uh and, and again, I don't want to rip into the other promotions would love to do the same, I'm sure. Other promotions. That's why every MMA promotion everyone tries to be like the UFC because they don't want to break the UFC model because that's their that's their ticket to they're like, well, if we can just join the UFC as a like a Pepsi to their Coke, we could just be rolling in these, you know, huge margins, but you know can't be done all right so one thing that could delay the summary judgment could end the case one thing that could delay the case is reopening uh discovery uh what do you think about like the odds of that jason going back to our lawyer here because that's those are the two things that really have to be decided before before april in the trial is summary judgment and then the ufc wants to you usually don't see people getting sued wanting more discovery but they want discovery over 2017 to today if i mean they they still have time to do it i guess but i i don't see the relevance of that of it happening is it is it a way for them to delay the the uh the the trial of course it is I mean, they're going to find anything, something, anything to delay the trial uh, because there's newfound evidence which suggests that we need to delay this trial until God knows when. That's what's going to happen. Uh, and that, I mean, that's what's going to happen if they reopen discovery. Uh, uh, is, is any of this discovery relevant? Will, will Judge Bulware... Uh, shave it down to uh, a reasonable amount. <laughs> of 
course not. Of course he's not going to do that. Um, I, you know, I will, I, I will say that um, there probably will be some sort of split the baby situation where they just uh, hand over X amount of documents and agree to no, uh, no further delay in the jury trial. But I, I, that's the only thing I could see why, why um, the rationale for reopening the discovery. Otherwise, they they already did as much as they could possibly do. I'm not sure what else else could be found um, in the relevant period. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no John? way. There's no <laughs> way they reopen discovery. I mean, it's it's been pretty clear with the judge if it gets past most summary judgment. I mean, actually, they wrote a pretty good uh, motion. I thought. I thought they, you know, did a good job. But I mean, if you want, you can go through and start picking it apart. It just, it, it strikes me as like an attempt to let's just, you know, kick the can further down the road. Let's delay the trial. And I don't think the judge has made it clear we're we're moving ahead. So yeah, my take on it is a little bit different. It's not not just to delay. It's it's part of their case is what's the effect on competitors. So they want all this stuff with you know PFL getting the investment from Saudi Arabia and others on the record and they want to depose those guys. But, um, but that's, I, think they, I mean, that's too much of a delay as it is because yeah. EFL is going to fight that too. It's just, right. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get most of it. Yeah. By the time the trial comes by, Bellator will be gone. So I don't know why you cite them as a big rival because <laughs> they'll be gone. One, I mean, does one even put on MMA fights anymore? There, I don't know, but what they put on is awesome. They put on it's good stuff, but I mean, I, I'm waiting for their next financial to come out. I, I got a feeling they're they're just you know they just stop spending a lot on social media and they're just a you know just a their numbers are tiny. Um, that they talk about uh, Inganu leaving the UFC, but it's like he only could leave the UFC because you made that contract change, and which Isaac said in the previous hearing. Remember that they they questioned about that. That was kind of that the contracts were changed, so we have a different situation. Than what was before. Well, he only left because that contract changed, which now you've and I, I've seen the new contracts. They're a tro they basically eliminated all the avenues that Nganu had. There's uh the, the sunset clause doesn't work the same way. In fact, it says if you turn down fights that they the UFC doesn't think you have a legitimate reason to turn down the fights, that period doesn't count. So there's no ability to just like sit out and wait for your contract in. And then the new championship clause makes it explicit that all the other provisions affect it. So if you have a, if you turn down a fighter of a tolling provision, it extends the champion clause now. So it's, it's, it is an incredibly unending contract. Now it's back to being a, there's no way through, you know, to get out of it. So, which is, does it, does it say, let me, I, I know sometimes you can't say the exact wording, I will uh, say the exact word because of the contracts you got, but does it say legitimate reason? Is that what it says? Oh yeah. Hold on. Let me, let me read the contract to you. Cause I got three of them, at least three that say the exact same thing. So if I can get three of them that say the same thing, then I know, uh, hold on from different people. Give me what an exciting show for people here as we go through this, <laughs> you know, as I read text from a contract. Um, okay. Notwithstanding the foregoing, oh, this is the sorry, that's the uh, uh, yeah, this is notwithstanding the foregoing, uh, the agreement will not be extended pursuant to this section beyond the date, which is five years after the fighter's first bout under this agreement, provided that any period of time in which the fighter is unable to compete because he or she has been suspended or revoked by an athletic commission or anti doping agency, or in which fighter unreasonably refuses to accept any bout offered by Zupa 
shall not be counted towards such five-year period or term of length. Mm. What's the definition of unreasonably? Yeah. I, I They okay. don't give a definition, but I think they're assuming that if you just turn down a fight without it an injury. It sounds like turned down. Yeah. yeah, so a declination without an injury. That seems yeah. to be their... So. It sounds like you would have to be injured or something, right? Yeah, so only injuries. But then on top of that, the... Uh, of course, then there's the the looking at through that again. I do think it, it's very possible that uh, injury suspensions could be applied because it's the way it's read about athletic commissions and injury suspensions. And then let's see the uh, the championship clause. Uh, I got my cat back there, just I just begging, just begging for attention. And uh, sorry, this again, very excited, just gripping, gripping entertainment <laughs> right here. As I Don's a new go. cat dad, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Oh boy, this cat. This I get no sleep at night. This cat just just wants to cuddle all night, which sounds great, but no, you get no sleep. <laughs> oh, where is that? Oh, uh, oh man, I can't find the. Dance. I was literally just so impressed with your ability to pull out your phone, find a contract, find a clause, literally within like. 30 seconds it's what my eyes are i would i would oh the other thing the declination part remember before under uh uh uh, in that there was a maximum uh they can only do like 18 months of it and then they would no longer apply that this is now they got rid of that so they can keep going all the way for the five years uh if you decline like if you just keep declining yeah that just before you could keep declining three times and they wouldn't extend it every uh Okay, God damn, this is okay. This is insane. <laughs> I can't find that. Uh, it is uh, interesting while you're doing that. Well, while why they make certain changes and then go back on them, and and in the in the um, oh, this made me think of bullware. Remember how mm. it was just a weird thing. I just want to get Jason's take on it really quick. I, I found the championship clause. Okay, Let me just read it really quick. Just this part of it extended uh, for the period. Okay, it says uh, if the. If at the expiration of the term fighter is then a UFC champion, the term shall automatically be extended for the period commencing on the last date of the term, the termination date, and extended on one of the earlier of one year from the termination date or the date from which the fighter has participated in three bouts. All that's the same, right? Promoted Mm -hmm. by Zufa, regardless of weight, class, or title following the termination date. Any reference to the term herein shall be deemed to include a reference to the extension term where applicable. So what that means is any reference to the term herein, the term being the the, the terms of the, the the fight. So a tolling provision would apply to the extension period because it all all the other stuff in that term applies to the champion clause. So before people were like, well, is it three fights and can you apply tolling provisions or is it just one year? The earlier, you know, just wait out. No, now they made it explicit. If you turn down fights, we can extend it under the champion clause. Was that phrase not in there before? Not in there right. before. That's a new okay. one. Okay. Mm. Huh. Got rid of any sort of any sort of confusion. So look at that, people. New information. <laughs> New information. Boom. Yeah. Champion. Uh wait, do we know how many people have been subject to a champion's clause? Like officially? Like got a letter. You're being extended due to champion's two? clause. I think two or three. I think uh one of the one of the female fighters, two maybe or something in the UFC. One. I don't they don't usually use it, but it, right. I mean that's the problem with the challenging it ever is that who do you have has standing because no one's actually been, it, no one's, it's been never initiated against someone. Well, uh, Nganu, there's one, obviously. Yes. They announced that. Yeah. But uh, the, I think the big thing is it has a big chilling effect because you at the end of your contract, you're like, I got three more fights. 
Right. So no, no, no so, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just curious about yeah. who's. Actually I think there's two. Wasn't there a, a uh, in the UFC? Wasn't there one of the female champions? Didn't they get to the end of their contract and they and then they she resigned after that, but that it kicked in. Not Shevchenko. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess technically Weidman, because didn't Weidman fight out his contract once, win the championship, and then they. And then he resigned after he, that. I, did, I don't know. We'd have to know if he signed a new one before. I can't so remember. I have to look. There's yeah. a there's once or twice, but it's been really, really used rarely. So don't no yeah, one for quote females. Me I mean, females it would have to be what in Jacek and or or uh, Shevchenko or or no. I think someone that just won the title actually. Oh really? Yeah, just they like just they, won it in their last fight. They're they're on the last they, fight of their contract. They won it because they didn't have a new contract. That was. But I'm not sure. Again, huh. no one called me on this. I know Ngano for sure. That's the only one I know 100. percent John John is the man who knows everyone and everything in MMA, except, except for the this. few times that he's not so sure. Yeah, it was just a lot of times. It's a listen. <laughs> I got a cat howling in the background, meowing, driving me nuts. So it's really distracting for me. So I'm not on the best. I'm not on my game here right now, people. So, so uh, I don't even know where we're going with that. But anyways, that's a new that's the new contracts the UFC. They're they're hard, so they changed that. And Gano had a window of opportunity that no one else apparently has. <laughs> Which, if you guys want to know how this might apply, if you're thinking this applies to the case we're talking about right now, probably not, or definitely not. <laughs> we could apply to the Cajun Johnson one. Which the way things are going, we get this trial. And then the Cajun Johnson will move to trial right after it, however long that would take. It should well, be a lot also, faster than what we just Is there going to be even plaintiffs in the Cajun Johnson because <laughs> everybody signed a class action waiver? That too. So yes. Nganu, because he didn't <laughs> sign at the UFC again, he might be the only plaintiff showing up. Him and, him and Johnson and Dalloway, those might be the three <laughs> people. Like we, we have a, a class member, one potential class member, Nganu. Because he's the only guy <laughs> that, that didn't awesome. sign the contract. <laughs> That would be awesome. Yeah, in case you're wondering, the uh, the plaintiff attorneys are going to try to fight that. But basically, yeah, fighters have signed something. If you're a current fighter with the UFC, you've signed something that says you can't sue them in a class action. Now, if you follow this show, you should have you should know that already. But uh, <laughs> for our two new audience members who don't know, two new inter- interns at the firms that are forced <laughs> to watch the show for new information. <laughs> So, uh, so anyways, we got you guys going to be there in uh, Vegas in April if they have the trial. The timing is perfect for me because oh, yeah. I have to teach a class where I fly into LA from January through like mid-March uh, at certain times. Uh, but I was like, April 8th? Yes. <laughs> if it happens, please don't push it back. Do April 8th. <laughs> what are you guys going to do? Yeah, you guys don't live here like, and you have jobs. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully my you know they fire me. I can be, no, I don't know. They don't. <laughs> it's always no, hope to get fired. No, no, that's the last thing I want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, five. I just if they really do a five. Did they say during it too? They could really get it down to three weeks if they had to. And I'm like, please. No, do. it's not gonna. It's always going long, that. unless they please. give them a certain a certain set. Well, they they might they might get them a certain set where they have to. Hurry up and, you know. Do and does stuff. April 8th start? Is that like the start, like jury selection? Or is that trial day? I don't know. Uh, usually You're the attorney. Like, I, I'll, because everything's so up. They usually have a pretrial date or whatever the fuck where they, uh, before trial, 
and I'm sure someone's going, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, fuck you, guy who's watching the show. <laughs> um, they, um, they will have a trial. They, I mean, saying what, you know, you got to turn, you got to argue your motions in limine. So you, you argue what, what's been excluded and whatnot. You got to go over what, what evidence you're going to submit, what people are going to be there. You got to talk about that, how long it's going to be, shit like that. And then you get to, at some point, the jury trial. So like some, some judges are very expeditious. Like they'll be like, oh, okay, we'll do this in the morning. And then the afternoon, we'll pick a jury. And then other people are like, man, I'm tired. And let's just go home, start and start tomorrow, you know, shit like that. So it, it depends. I'm sure, of course, that it's uh, they'll, they'll use judicial efficiency. But uh, the first day where they say trial starts is usually not the first day where they give opening statements unless they're really moving. Along. And I, I really think that jury selection will take long in this case just because of it's Vegas. People will know all of the parties. And, you know, they'll be fighting over who gets to stay on the jury, who doesn't get to stay. I just, I mean, I, I just can imagine them starting everyone. Do you know what a monopsony is? <laughs> and oh, okay, that person's eliminated. <laughs> yeah. Listen, just, you know, can, just, can you pronounce it? Do you know what mono means? Mono. Can you, you know, the lat? Oh, okay, next person, let's get the, you know, that's, it's, they won't be out. What'll be great is, though, that, that at least then I'll get to understand what, what's actually going on in these things. <laughs> yeah. no, just, they'll just talk it. Talk slow and use big, small words, small syllables for me to understand. That, I know we're getting the end of this topic, but I will say that is the interesting part of antitrust trials is that they're <laughs> they they're very sort of uh, you know analytical, right, and 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 sort of scientifically rigorous at times, uh, and but yet the jury is just twelve average everyday people that you have to explain this stuff to. Um, which is the importance of the jury questionnaire and the way they frame their questions. But yeah, uh, it, it's always interesting that what John, what John just brought up, that you have basically have to explain this stuff to people and then find a way to write the questions where regular people can answer them in, in, a, in a reasonable way. And, uh, so. and, based, and based on the reactions we get from people on Twitter, that's a very hard order because uh, <laughs> the, the, you could spell everything out as simple <laughs> as possible and there are still people that are just like you're just not even paying attention to the uh you didn't even you didn't even read what i said didn't even <laughs> went right over your head and was, and I'm, I'm not complex here people i'm, I'm about <laughs> as simple of an explainer as possible and you're still... you can explain it all to people and they're like so we're talking about the board game huh oh no. okay i get it <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh boy it's just yeah i think that you know what I'm, I'm very happy with people that i interact with on mma because they're generally interesting and knowledgeable but when you get outside that bubble of people that follow you or read your stuff my god we might have we we might have the dumbest fan base in all of sports <laughs> oh 100 yeah. percent. i think he's not i think power well, slap begs to yeah, differ i mean football does get you some really no, that's the that's just numbers there's so many you're just gonna get i'm saying as a percentage of the fan base as a percentage mma guys power slap is an official sport now come on to access the bonus content of this show you must be a paid subscriber to do that go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today
Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.